Welcome to Valley Lights Church Online. Today we are meeting and gathering in a new place. <laughs> For those of you watching online, I want to let you know that today is our first time as a church gathering at Rio Norte Junior High in Santa Clarita. Uh, and for those of you that have moved with us, thank you. <laughs> I'm excited that so many have decided to move with us to a new physical location. I suppose there's no guarantee that everyone would want to, but many have. And so I'm excited about that. This has been, uh, this is a pretty highly anticipated day for me. I'm really excited to see how God is going to use our new location to cause our church to grow and for us to help expand his kingdom. Today's our final uh, message in a series called Us For Them. And over the past month, we have been talking about different reasons for orienting our lives around the goal of helping people find God. And back when Jesus walked the earth and he lived among us in a human form, people were continually surprised and even astonished about what he said and what he did. A lot of people were trying to figure him out. And a lot of people were trying to trick him too. But how easily can you corner the God of the universe? <laughs> you know, can you get, could you really get him figured out in an afternoon? Yeah, I don't think so. Remembering that God is really big and complex, even when Jesus was in a human form, there was so much to him that we couldn't quite figure out. And so it comes as no shock, I would say, that we tend not to see the way God sees. We tend not to think the way God thinks. We often have a way of seeing life and people and our situations and surroundings, and our response is different than how God would respond. So we're going to look at a story, uh, a situation in the Bible where Jesus had a very surprising reaction to something. Uh, he had actually it was a very strong emotional reaction to, uh, and at a time when it might have seemed out of place. What do you think God thinks when He thinks about our country right now? <laughs> uh, what what feelings and emotions do you think God has about the United States of America? Is he pleased with how things are going? Is he angry? Or is he just really frustrated about how things are going? Um, how about, how, how, does, how does God feel about L.A. County, Los Angeles County, in comparison to, let's say, Kennedy County in Texas? <laughs> um, how, how does God feel about the city of Santa Clarita? And when he thinks about the 300,000 plus people that live here, what does he think? On the whole, would you, if you're, if you're also a resident of Santa Clarita like me, would you, do you think that this is a, a godly city or a guilty city? Maybe somewhere in between. I don't, I don't really know exactly. Uh, God must have certain thoughts about these places. And there was a time when Jesus was overlooking a very guilty city. It was a city full of people doing a lot of evil. Uh, causing tremendous displeasure to God and uh, stirring up his wrath. As Jesus looked over the city, what was his response? As it turns out, he was full of compassion. It's kind of surprising. Actually, read the story in Luke 19, verse 41. It says, as he approached and he saw the city, this is actually Jerusalem, uh, he wept for it. 
And he said, if you knew this day, what would bring you peace? But now it's hidden from your eyes. And actually what we see is, as Jesus looked over Jerusalem, he was full of compassion for people living without God, even that he wept. And so he had this magnificent view uh, coming down from the Mount of Olives. And the way he was positioned, you could get, as you're coming down this path, you could see a, 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 the sprawling landscape. Here's a photo of what it would have looked like. This is more of a modern picture. But Jerusalem was the splendid capital city. It had a glorious temple, and yet it was the place of great crimes against the laws of God. People had the blood of older generations of prophets on their hands. Uh, many people were rejecting Jesus and rejecting God's ways with terrible force and seething with thoughts of violence. And in just a few days from this point in the story, they would put Jesus, their long-expected Messiah, to death. When Jesus caught a glimpse of this landscape of city, it produced such a strong reaction that he wept. And this really is surprising because there's a few other responses that maybe he could have had or perhaps we would have had if we were in his position. He could have been condescending. You know, he could have said, you know, you guys are, you're all about to get what's coming to you. And uh, instead of welcoming me, you, you, you spit in my face and I, I'm, I'm through with you and you're going to get it and you're going to be crucifying me in a couple of days. He didn't, Jesus didn't say any of that. And he could have been, he did weep. He could have been weeping about his own trouble. Um, he was about to endure some of the worst physical pain and torture ever designed. And if it were me, it, that probably would have caused me to weep. I mean, I, I, I would have been in so much distress. I would have been so overwhelmed anticipating what was coming that I, I don't know if I would have had room for another thought or emotion. But Jesus did not think about himself. He could have been elated about his triumphal entry. Because that's actually probably the strangest thing about this story. This is this position of him looking over the city and weeping is happening right after, well, actually in the middle of him entering Jerusalem. It's, it's known as the triumphal entry. And it was really a glorious return to the city because actually just a moment before this point of weeping, it says in Luke 19, 37, now he came near the path down the Mount of Olives and the whole crowd of disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles they had seen. So people are shouting for joy and they're celebrating. They're, they're spreading their clothes on the ground to give him a path to go across. He was the triumphant king, the Lord of Zion, surrounded by multitudes of people giving him honor. During a situation that was full of rejoicing, our Redeemer's heart was turned to thoughts about the miseries of people in a guilty city. And it's really hard to grasp the emotion of this story. And so to add a little bit more life and color to what we're reading, I want to show you a video clip. And this is an old interview from years ago of a soldier who was asked, a U.S. Army guy who was asked how he felt about the growing number of casualties that in the war that he was fighting at that time. So take a look at this video. Right now, I, I'm kind of numb to it. Like, to be honest, I just don't really feel much. I, 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 I pray for his family. I pray for his soul that it, you know. Yeah. See, I try not to think about it.
because when you think about it, then I get like this, and it's not, you know, I don't, ah, yeah, so, yeah, you know, everyone deals with their own way, I try to hide it, I try not to think about it, because I gotta stay a hundred percent, you know, I gotta, I gotta keep a good example, one of the other soldiers, I'm sorry. In this video, the soldier was filled with sorrow for the loss of life. Understandably so. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to process, to, to, to reason through it, and, to, and even and to keep going. He, he managed to stay partially composed, I would say. I, I think you'd probably describe what he did as crying. But have you ever seen a man weep? like sobbing, just uncontrollably sobbing. I mean, maybe in movies you've seen that. I don't know if you've ever seen that in real life, like just a full-grown man doing that. If, if you have, it may have made you feel uncomfortable. It's so rare. It's so unusual. Weeping and sobbing usually come in situations with just unparalleled loss and sorrow. In this situation with Jesus, his weeping, I'm sure, was even more dramatic than even in that video that we just saw. That video was about a man uh, just burdened with physical death and loss. And here we have our Savior, so heavily, heavily burdened for people, fully aware of the eternal loss that so many people would be facing. On a day that was you know, it's supposed to be all about his glorious entry into Jerusalem. Jesus, he could have been judgmental. He could have been focused on his own trouble. He could have been elated by his adoring fans. And he was none of those things. He was full of compassion. His focus, his burden that weighed heavily on him was people far from God, living without peace with God. And in the week of his own coming tragedy, he carried this heavy burden, the thoughts of others. This is how our God cares for us. Our Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they together were the first ones to live with this us-for-them mentality. Great lengths our God went to, to for, our, for our benefit, for our salvation. Jesus goes on to say, probably through, through blurry eyes and choking on his tears, saying, for the days will come on you when your enemies, he's speaking of Jerusalem, the days will come on you when your enemies will build a barricade around you, surround you, and hem you in on every side. And he's talking about the historical event, uh, the destruction of Jerusalem, which would happen about 30 years later. It's a prophecy. And uh, he's, he says, they will crush you and your children among you to the ground, and they will not leave one stone on another in its midst. All of that didn't happen, and, he, and here's why. He says, because you did not recognize the time that God visited you. Through his tears and weeping, judgment was coming. God is compassionate, God is merciful, and he is also just. People can't live with complete disregard for their creator and expect life and eternity to go in their favor. It doesn't work that way. The people that Jesus wept for 
would be the very ones that would nail him brutally to a cross in just a few days. Of course, that was not the end. We know how the story pans out. The plans of his enemies backfired. Jesus rose from the grave, ascended to glory, and he created a path to freedom and for us to have peace with God eternally. And that's for those of us who just stop going our own way and we, and we live and follow him. I don't know exactly what God's thoughts are about our city. You know, we see his thoughts about Jerusalem, but Santa Clarita, I don't know. But do you think that there are some people that live here that do not recognize the time that God visited? Do you think there's people here that just don't acknowledge him? That they live their lives unsubmitted to the commands of Christ? Well, it's the vast majority, the sweeping majority of residents here live that way. Because this story doesn't end in tragedy, but continues with glorious hope for those that believe, we are actually in the middle of an exciting chapter of God's redemptive story. When I think about God's compassion and His kindness highlighted in this story and many others throughout the Gospels, I get excited about the role that we get to play right now, and I say, let's praise God that He moved us. Valley Lights Church has moved to a new location, and God, I've, I think, I believe that God has positioned us to make His compassion and His kindness known to others. Way back in December of 2019, I was emailing with the Hart School District Administration. It was uh, almost two years ago now. And I said, hey, I'd like to rent space for church services in Rio Norte Junior High. I gave the details and uh, the response was, yeah, sure, give me the dates that you're thinking of starting services. And uh, I said October 11th, November 15th, and December 13th. And those were all in 2020. And those, these uh, first three Sundays would be monthly preview services. And then in January of 21, we'll be meeting weekly. So our church did meet on those dates as calendared out. But at the time of writing, it was before COVID. So a lot of things got changed. It looked very different than I thought. And so us moving into Rio Norte right now is actually our fourth meeting location. Uh, the first was my backyard, which is actually just out that window. And the second was Chesbro Park outdoors. Um, that's where we had those monthly preview services. Through the summer, we've been in the Embassy Suites, a hotel, and now in this junior high. And you know what? We've picked up attenders in every location. There was a young couple that attended our very first backyard church service. Um, they were the only guests on that day, and so we pounced on them. <laughs> they had no escape. Um, and then many of you have joined us while we were at the park outdoors. I mean, we had people come to church because they were walking by or biking by or driving by. They saw our road signs on McBean uh, Road, and uh, people would come. Actually, there's some that we're driving by our signs every Sunday for a couple of months thinking, man, I should go. And then finally they came. And then some, some of you came while we were at the hotel. Um, there's one girl that just lives right on the other side of the freeway, like five minutes or less away. And the proximity was convenient enough and she came. Actually, her family has come and we even got a new attender. There was one day that we couldn't meet in the hotel and we had to go to the park again for just one Sunday and we picked up somebody new who just happened to be in the park that day. God keeps putting us right in the path of people. 
as God, God moved us here, he moved us to a new location. But not just that, he's moved us to new opportunity. We're going to meet people that we would not have met if we just stayed put in any of those spots. And so the title of today's message that we're looking at is, They're Coming. <laughs> They're coming. People are coming. Not just people, but opportunities. Also, conversations are coming. You may have a chance to talk with people that God brings. Or moments are coming. Moments where we have the choice to expend ourselves. There's a verse here that I really love. It's 2 Corinthians in chapter 2. It says, But thanks be to God, who always leads us in Christ's triumphal procession, and through us spreads the aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. Like a wonderful smell when you walk into a house, like chocolate chip cookies or brownies, <laughs> something wonderful. We will spread the wonderful aroma of Jesus that is attractive and desirable. Just by being followers of Jesus, we have a smell about us. And God will cause that in, in all the places that we go to be noticed. It says, For to God we are the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and also among those who are perishing. Two groups of people. Some will like our smell. Some will not. It says, to, to some, we are an aroma of death, leading to death. They, people don't like that. Those are among the people that are perishing. But to others, an aroma of life, leading to life. The people that God has planned and is stirring and working in their hearts, uh, is, there's an appealing interaction that happens here. And, and Paul, who wrote this, he says, who, who's adequate for these things? Says, That's quite a weight, quite an amazing impact. Who's adequate for these things? For we do not market the word of God for profit like so many. On the contrary, we speak with sincerity in Christ as from God and before God. That means we, we keep pressing on. We are working to build this church and, and not for profit, not for our own benefit, but out of a sincere love for people that are lost. This is an exciting time for us as a, as a young church. And I don't even know how long we'll be at this junior high. God may perhaps move us on again at some other point. You might decide to plug in and be a part of our church for the things that benefit you. And there's a lot of things. There's a lot of really good benefits that come from being a part of a church like this. But you can also decide to be here for the sake of sharing Jesus's love with others. We can share Jesus' burden for people. We can live with that the way that he did. You who have been a part of Valley Lights for a period of time, you've gone through a transition now. Uh, there's going to be people coming through the doors or people logging online, checking out our website or our podcast that uh, are brand new. To interacting with us and and the rest of you you're you're old timers now <laughs> valley lights veterans i should say and even even if you've been with us for a short time it's longer than the folks that are coming next week we will continue having people come and interact with us that are investigating christ that are considering church and god and christianity we've had people come to valley lights that have never ever come to a church before and 
there's some things that we can do to encourage that, encourage a person in their journey towards Jesus. We can exude that fresh and aroming, uh, fresh and pleasing aroma. And to give you context for this, uh, th- think back for a moment. What, what is it like, or what was it like for you to attend church for the very first time? Uh, and I mean a physical church now at this point. And you, maybe, maybe your interaction has been all digital recently, but I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, I think people are generally on the fence about whether or not they're going to go to church for a long time before they actually do. And especially when it's like a new experience. Actually, one guy told me he drove to our church, uh, parked, and then left. <laughs> and did eventually come back, but it was actually a couple months later that he actually got out of his car and checked out our service. But let's say someone decided on Saturday evening to finally try out church tomorrow morning. And if they had kids, they probably didn't want to wake up early. Uh, maybe breakfast was rushed because they're not used to getting up early on a Sunday. Um, and since maybe at least one or more of the family members didn't want to come, let's say the dad <laughs> or one of the kids, maybe there's a cranky atmosphere in the, in the car, on the ride. Maybe a disagreement broke out. Parking was sort of full, and so they had to walk through the parking lot and figure out where to go. And they said, yeah, man, everyone here seems to know each other already, and I don't even know where to go or who to talk to, and I still don't even know what this church service is going to be like. Do we stand or do we sit? Do we kneel? Is there going to be wine and bread? I mean, are they going to make me stand up because I'm new? Or are my kids safe? Are they having fun? Oh, and should I have brought a holy book of some kind? There may be a variety of questions that a person may have in mind, but maybe you might even just bring to mind one of your neighbors that's not a Christian, not a churchgoer. And yeah, go ahead and put somebody in your mind. And so are you thinking of somebody maybe next to you or across the street? What would that person think the morning of attending church for the first time? Maybe there'd be a little skepticism, maybe some anxiety or some confusion about what's going on here. What would you want them to experience? One church analyst said, you know, most people decide within the first seven minutes whether or not they're coming back next week, which is long before the message is even preached. Because there's a lot of experiences that a person has before they even get to their seat. Because of all of that, in our love and compassion for other people, we can focus on practical expressions of hospitality. And so I want to run through a few super easy, tangible ways of living out the us for them approach. Um, And that is particularly when it comes to being a part of the in-person physical service. Because we're in this unique transition point, I just wanted to take the opportunity to talk about the in-person gathering. So when we gather together, one thing that is very important is filling out connection cards. And so if you've sat through one of our services, you've been handed a program with a card in it. And this card is not just for newcomers. It's for everybody. And uh, the reason for this is we have a point in our service where he says, go ahead and take out your connection card and begin filling it out. Well, if you're the new guy and you look around and nobody's filling it out, 
Are you going to fill it out? No. You don't, want, you don't want to be the only one doing it. Actually, that connection card is a very powerful tool that allows us and our team and, and even me to, to follow up with people. Um, that contact information is such an important connecting point. We've had, I've had so many uh, conversations with guests who were just so glad for the personal contact afterwards, whether it was phone or in person or a coffee or an email. And of course, as a regular, there's things that you can sign up for, prayer requests that you can leave on that card. But the power of the connection card lies in everyone filling it out together every week. Another aspect of hospitality is to sit close and park far. <laughs> sit in a close seat and park in a parking spot far away. The best seats in the house are different depending on what kind of venue you're at. So if you go to a movie theater, where's the best seat in the house? I think generally it's right in the middle. I mean, you don't want to be too close. Um, or if you go to a concert for your favorite band, where's the best seat in the house? I think generally you want to be as close to the action as, can, as you can. Be, just be where you can like see the person up close. Or imagine you're new uh, to church. Where, where are the best seats? Well, generally at the very back, maybe on the end near the door so you can make a quick escape if you want to. So that means for those of us that are the Valley Lights veterans, we can sit close, free up the seats in the back. It seems simple, but actually is truly a way to sacrifice for others. Or if you're going to a brand new place and you're running late, and you're not sure where to go, where's the best parking spot? Right at the very front, as close to the door as possible. Well, what if all of those close parking spots we were able to free up for guests? These things, sit close and park far, those are just, those could become a weekly expression of sacrifice, a way for us to live, us for them. Another thing is to use name tags. Now, we go through a lot of name tags, just those sticker ones with the blue, you know, border on the outside. Um, we, we bought stock in name tags because we go through so many. No, I'm just kidding. Name tags make it much easier to remember names, of course. Uh, when you greet someone by name, there's an incredible warmth that happens there. Uh, whenever someone uses our actual names, we like it. There's, there's a connection that happens that's meaningful. Also, if you walk into a place and everyone's got a name tag on, it sends a really big message. It's okay to be new here. This is not a place where everyone knows everyone else's names. So you're welcome to join us. Another aspect of hospitality is the first five. Now, we love the first five. This, this is the first five minutes after service ends. Go talk to somebody you haven't met yet. And here's why. I'll give you a little background on this. Many guests leave right after the last song is done. Which means you've got, if you want to talk to a guest, you've got maybe two minutes. <laughs> Unless they're unusually chatty, they're, they're, hit, they're hitting the door. So if, if service ends and then I just stop to say hello to somebody I know, even if it's just for a moment, I may have just already missed my chance already to talk to a new person. <clears throat> There's one guy in our church that really understands this principle, Albert, and uh, I've seen him, you know, making a beeline for the door to cut somebody off <laughs> to try just to say hello before someone slips on through. And when you think about this idea of, oh, talk to somebody for five minutes, that's, uh, I'm not too good at that. 
And I will let you in on a little secret. I'm actually not that great at that either. I can struggle to make conversation, but I've got a few questions that I usually run through in my mind that kind of help me stay on track. Some people are, you know, more natural conversationalists than others, but you know, good morning. Hey, I don't think we've had a chance to meet. I'm Bruce. Uh, how long have you been coming to Valley Lights? All right. Uh, oh, and how did you how do you hear about it? Okay. Um, oh, do you, do you live nearby? Okay, good. How, how long have you been in Santa Clarita? Oh, I got you. How? Uh, where do you come from originally? And and what do you do right now for you work or go to school? Those are all questions that could bring natural conversation a lot of different directions and uh, that's not so hard right <laughs> if you have a few questions memorized it can really help out a lot i've been told my guests to our church that one of our strengths is our warm inclusive friendly atmosphere and you can help us continue to build that even as we grow another aspect of hospitality is is to be sharp and timely uh, being sharp means help us make things look really good. If you're a part of our setup, that, that infiltrates into the way we set up kids or worship or curtains. Um, maybe a sign got crooked in the wind. Well, as you walk by, you can help us straighten that out. Or walking through the parking lot, you can pick up a piece of trash that you see. Um, a sharp environment really does make a good impression. Also, being timely. Um, the truth is people do often come early to new places because they don't want to, if they can help it, they don't want to show up late and draw attention to themselves. So if they can get in new and get to the safe zone at their seat, um, that's helpful. But I'm not sure. Have you ever been at our in-person gathering at the strike of 10 a.m.? When, right when service starts, it can sometimes feel a little bit awkward. <laughs> Sometimes the worship leader starts, hey, it is great the two of you have joined us this morning. <laughs> uh, it, can be, it can be a little thin. Well, you might not care too much about being on time for yourself, but for the benefit of our guests, you might consider helping us create a strong showing at the start of our church service. So these are all simple, practical ways to show hospitality to the guests that God will be bringing to our in-person gathering. I think positioning our hearts to love and serve people will demonstrate to God, really, I want God to, to see and to know that we are ready for him to send people our way. Guests are a gift from God. Since he cares so much for his people, he wants people to find their way to him and so I think God might be reluctant to send people if we're not prepared to receive them. Many of the big efforts that we'll be doing as a church this month will attract new people. Next week, we will have a grand opening and we'll be, I'll be starting a new message series called Hope in the Dark. Uh, can God be good when life is not? And I'm really excited about that series. We'll be going through a book of the Bible that describes that. Um, so I do hope that you come back and join us and that you invite somebody to come to that as well. We've been putting out door hangers for this event. Our first drop of door hangers was yesterday, Saturday morning, and you could help us with that. We're going to continue to do that for the next few weeks, but you could also take a stack of uh, door hangers with you and, and just deliver to your own neighborhood. A stack of 50 might take about 30 to 45 minutes to complete. Not too bad.
Also, we have a sports camp coming up. And <clears throat> we've got some kids that have registered already. Um, there's two folks on our team that are directing this, uh, Marie and Barry. And so plans are underway. Uh, there is, I'd say, an honest update on sports camp, though. I think we're running a little low on volunteers at the moment. And many from our churches sign, have signed up, which is exciting. And, and so thank you so much. If you're interested in volunteering and let us, uh, one of the things, you'll get an email from Marie and it's a, a form about your availability. So be sure to fill that out. But I, I thought about asking all of you, do you know anybody who might be interested in volunteering with us? There, there may be some person that you know that I don't know that would be interested in playing a part. Let, let them know and let me know. Another concern of mine thinking about sports camp is lighting. We've got a great spot actually at the junior high where we'll be having the camp, but there are no outdoor lights. And since it's at night, we need to supply our own lighting. <clears throat> it's quite dark. It's, <laughs> well, I mean, we have this, this um, beautifully huge meadow of grassy goodness and um, it's pitch black when the sun goes down. And at the moment, I can't quite see if we've solved that adequately. We're planning to rent enough floodlights to do that. But it's a concern because there's some unknowns to it. And as I was thinking about the stress of that, I this week I was thinking about it's kind of a a, a real life illustration for the verse um, we live by faith, not by sight. <laughs> if we're in the middle of the darkness, we can't see. And honestly, with this whole project, this sports camp, and even our grand opening, it's I I, I can't see quite how this is all going to pan out. There's some unknowns and, and really that's living by faith. There's an amount of dependence on God that comes when I don't have it all figured out and I can't quite see it. And in a way, that's a good thing. I think God wants us to be dependent on him. So I'm trying to figure out things like that. Our team is. And to take that analogy just a little bit further, I thought, well, we need light when it's dark out. God has made us lights in the valley. That's why we are Valley Lights Church. And I thought, you know what? During that week of sports camp and as we move and get to know people here, may our presence here light up in this neighborhood spiritually. God has given us the job of pushing back the darkness in this part of California. So that, that actually inspires me. I, uh, because of the, all of that, we're, we're going big on our promotion for... The, these events that are coming up. We're doing social media ads. Um, new, we've got some new road signs and banners and we're doing flyers. In fact, we've even paid for 15,000 mailers to go out and let people know about what's going on. And if, if you're one of those people and you get one of those, let me know because uh, I, I'd like, just text me or email me because I want to know when these flyers are hitting doors and, and houses. But we're pouring resources into this month really to maximize the opportunities that are coming. To wrap us up, I want to show a video from last week. Uh, not everyone, I don't think, got to see last week, our one-year celebration. Uh, so I wanted to run one of the videos again. It's a video highlighting some of the work that God has been doing over the past year. It's very inspiring, and uh, it's just been an exciting journey. And so take a look at this. He surrounded me with a community of people here 
that quickly became a spiritual family to me. We were looking for a church. Mm -hmm. It was during a kind of a difficult time during COVID, so we didn't yeah. know where to go. We were really looking for a community that we could be like a part of and live life with people. Just really showing me um, what community is and what it means to be doing life together with other people of God. And since going to Valley Lights, I've just experienced like this vast kind of grace and uh, I don't know, just a very welcoming environment. I feel like I have other people that Christ is number one, that we are kind of going through this together, this kind of uncertainty. I used Valley Lights Church to completely change the trajectory of my life in the last few months. So. Yeah, and as a first time mom, it's been such a blessing to be part of um, Valley Lights because I'm able to ask questions to the, all the other moms. It feels like we're, we can serve and be a part of and and, and so we do. I mean, we were sitting at home praying, how can we serve? So we got to come and and so we passed out the flyers too. And Serving at Valley Lights, it's been, uh, it's been, it's pushed me out of my comfort zones a little bit. It's stretched me of, uh, of what I'm capable of doing, I think. It's pretty incredible to see like what people are capable of when they're like all working together. Also working um, on Sundays is pretty fun to help set up. It's a lot of work and it's pretty fun. And we have a bigger house now. <laughs> We've been here for a year. We got a new house. Over a year. It's fun so we can make more friends and that we can know more people and ask them questions like, how's your week been? And, and asking them how their life has been. Growing in the church from the park to NBC Suites and now Rio Norte. Um, meeting some new friends, helping and setting up, meeting new friends and, and seeing new faces and playing. Mm -hmm. That's it. This endeavor has pushed me like nothing I've experienced. At times, I have been so discouraged. I've been so exhausted, so unsure. My family and our team, we have had to trust God like never before. God is doing some big things in our world right now. We can't see it all. Let us say with Job that God, I know you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted. One year ago, there was no valley lights, but we can clearly see that God is building something here. And this is just the beginning. You can play a part in the next stage of our growth. To all of you that have given your time and your money and your prayer, thank you so much. May it be that we build a gathering of Christ followers that proclaims the greatness of God. It is so encouraging to hear stories about how God has been using valley lights in people's lives. Jesus first had compassion on us, and now he's positioned us to love others. And that's why we're doing these big efforts. God has promised to be with us 